0: mm well, hello, I, I'm i in a place that I have lots of computers, lots of computers. I think I'm looking at five of them. Wow. <laughs> a lot more for me to mess up. But let us pray and hope that doesn't happen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and to Thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God cast into hell, Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's open a big book on the coffee table. You know one, The Bible. Uh, I just got to turn this down so that... there. I actually remember to turn my phone down. All right. Uh, We are looking at St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. Let's start with uh, St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, the uh, uh, third chapter, and the 12th verse and following. Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Now, that's interesting. Put on. (laughs) In other words, this is something you can do think about it uh people people say oh i I can't fake emotion he's not telling you to fake emotion he's telling you to to do this well I can't control my feelings yes you can uh y- you can you can control your feelings uh much more easily than you think you can i i when people come to me and talk about I just get angry I can't help it I always just say well, take a deep breath <sighs> And as you do that, uh, um, just as you let the breath out, just say, Jesus, I trust in you. Let's everybody do that. Take a deep breath, wherever you are. Don't close your eyes necessarily, but Jesus, I trust in you. It's like like a sedative. It's just calming. And I tell you, again, old man, old stories. I tell you this all the time. A habit of vice can only be remedied with a habit of virtue. Habit of vice can only be remedied with a habit of virtue. You say, I'm never going to do that again. Well, guess what? That's not going to work. you got to replace something. Jesus says when a demon is cast out, you have to uh, uh, fill that space or seven more like him will come and find the space cleaned and waiting for them. you got to develop habits of virtue. And so... Uh, um, this idea of putting on uh, 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 heartfelt compassion—I think that, that you need to understand that you can learn compassion, and this isn't just compassion. It's a fascinating word. It's um, it's uh, in Greek. It's 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 splankna. The the uh, splankna. Uh, it's the voice of my head just asked is that a german dessert no it's more kind of a german breakfast <laughs> seriously uh, it means guts that's what it means in greek Splankna are are there you you know guts of compassion that's literally what it says uh how do they translate it in the in the reading they translate it uh um, heartfelt compassion. No, that's not where you're feeling, not in your heart. You're feeling it in your, in your as we would say in, in Skokie, in the Kishkes. You feel it in your guts. You know, you're watching somebody and they fall over and, you know, they're uh, like some kid on a skateboard. Ooh, and you can just kind of, oh, that's what this is. Put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Uh the, we're putting on the personality of Christ remember I, I've shared with you the idea that uh, uh, that uh, uh, there's a description of Jesus in in the New Testament and it's in Galatians the fifth chapter the fruits of the spirit are these love peace patience joy all that sort of thing um, the very very important, uh, to allow God's grace to put to put on Christ. And uh it isn't play acting, it isn't it isn't insincerity. People say, "Well, I I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to be sincere." Hmm. If you sincerely want Christ, <laughs> that's good enough. You know, we we somehow think that unless we feel it it isn't real. And sometimes I would venture that it is more real uh when we don't feel it. You know, when you get out of bed in the morning, get four in the morning or five in the morning or whenever you get out of bed in the morning to go to work to put bread on the table tell me you feel like it no that's love <laughs> you're doing it for love and there's no other good reason to do that kind of thing um but i don't feel like it well no we americans we are very romantic and christianity is a very realistic religion so put on uh, all of those things uh uh, which uh, this is a sort of mini-catalog uh, uh, of, of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to look at one more thing here. Uh, I want to back up and make sure that I'm not just making this up. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, this is, is uh, these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, kindness, that really means usefulness. You know, kindness is not just a, a sympathetic pat on the head. It's being useful. Christos, Christos means useful in Greek. And then there's uh, tapeno This is a great word, tapeno which means lowly-mindedness. It isn't exactly humility. Tapenos. I've shared that word with you a lot. That it means undistinguished. You know, Jesus calls himself undistinguished. I'm uh, meek and humble of heart. Um, the Blessed Mother calls herself undistinguished, and I—I I, I, again forgive me because I repeat myself so often, but the idea is that that um, if you could get in a time machine and go back to uh, the uh, uh, to the carpenter shop in Nazareth, I don't think you could pick out Jesus or his Blessed Mother from a crowd of two because they looked they were so ordinary, so ordinary. That's what tapenos means, and this is more than that. This is tapeno frone which means contemplating that which is ordinary. Uh, Fronin means to contemplate. It means being lowly minded. In other words, living in the present moment is. I think it's not too far, too much of a stretch to say that. And you know, so many people have great plans and visions. Well, you know. The neighbor lady is having a hard time getting her groceries in. Tapeno frosine means that that I encounter the kingdom of God by helping the neighbor lady, not by... Starting a great new committee. <laughs> oh, this is a this is a story. Oh, for Lord bless those about whom I will now gossip. No, this is the voice of my just said. Is this a third rail? No, this isn't a third rail. But I remember, I had a, a there was a woman, a, a wonderful saintly woman who was a a, a, a a medical doctor, and it was a terribly hot Sunday. and We didn't have air conditioning in the church, and I, I had a heat stroke. A very minor heat stroke. But I had lost vision in one eye, and I'm standing in the back of church needing to get over the rectory to some air conditioning and something to drink. And uh, she is there uh, uh, pontificating about this great religion program that we had to do. And I'm sort of standing there woozy, and I say, "Uh, doctor, I'm not going (laughs) to say her name, she's a real sweetheart, but doctor, I've lost vision in one eye. And she says she continues to go on about this great religion program. Her mother tugged at her shoulder and said, Did you hear what he said? He can't see out of one eye. And she looked at me and she said, Oh, how's your blood sugar? <laughs> How do I know it? Let me, let me go to the right. So we have these I do this all the time. I'm talking about some great thing where someone is clearly in pain or in need, and I am useless. I am not Christos. I'm useless, and then a uh, meek gentleness and and means uh, patient. it really means to 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 go to go the distance. that's what the word means. and these are fruits of the Holy Spirit and uh, those are our goal. those are how we we should judge our spiritual life, not oh, I've said a lot of prayers, but. The prayers I'm saying are making me patient and kind, and really able to to feel the, the to feel the sufferings of other people in my guts. This is a tall order, but the, the intriguing thing to me is that that the word the word uh, that describes these put them on it means to wear them like a garment. It means to put them on like a garment. <laughs> Oh, that it were that simple. Well, guess what? It kind of is that if we say to the Lord, Lord, cause fruit to grow. Well, you know, fruit. fruit. These are fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we, read, we read these same words in Galatians. Well, I'm going to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, no no little grape. You know, a, a grape, uh, the vine does not go, oh, grape. That's not how the vine does it. The grape flows from the nature of the vine. And to put on these virtues means we have to allow God's grace to change our very nature, to say to God, make me what you want. I give up. Make me what you want because I'm trying and I can't do it. It's as easy in a sense as putting on a garment that you allow God's Holy Spirit to remake you, make your constant... You know, people are always saying... Uh, um." oh, Lord, I need this, I want this, or I'm worried about the government, I'm worried about the church, I'm worried about this. And how often do I tell you that the prayer of the believer is not, Lord, give me what I want. It isn't even, Lord, solve these problems. Though you can pray for those things. That's not forbidden. But the, the root prayer of the believer is, Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways, oh, Lord. God's way of doing it is right, and and. Just to kind of calm down and say, "Lord, do in me what you want. I give up, give up all my great plans and my, my, my needs and my hopes, and uh, uh, you, you, you make me what you want me to be." So th- this reading is uh, to me—it's just there's so much in it. Oh, good grief! Let me look at the clock. <laughs> I got a lot more to talk about because the next word. Uh, so how do you do it? He gives you the hint on how to do it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that isn't just the Bible. Remember, this is Logos, and this is let, let the way of life of Christ dwell in you richly. That, that our prayers shouldn't be simply prayers to be said, but, but to expose ourselves to that presence of, of Christ. I, for me, especially in the Blessed Sacrament. Remember, Fulton Sheen used to talk about a priest really should spend an hour a day in front of a tabernacle. Um, and allow that radiation to irradiate him. time spent in the presence of the Lord, not just doing spiritual exercises uh, and spiritual calisthenics, those are very useful in the process. But to spend time in the presence of the Lord, let the Lord, who is the very Word of God, dwell in you richly, and guess what? You'll become more like him. let me let me get to the gospel because, boy, this gospel is very controversial. Do you, here I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Now let us define love one more time. The word here, of course, is agape. The word love, the word love, is to will the good of another. So will the good of your enemies, you know, instead of, I hope God, <laughs> what's the, I remember an old comedy routine about uh, uh, the woman who says to her son, I hope you have children who make you feel the way I do, miserable. It's every mother's prayer <laughs> that, that we don't want to will harm to our enemy. We, we, want to, we want to will that they do well. Do good to those who hate you. And this goes on and on. And then he says, to the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. From the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Give to the one who asks and and uh, from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Um, people say, "Well, you can't, therefore total nonviolence." I don't think this passage requires total nonviolence. It says, "Do not." If someone is going to t- threatening your life, you can defend yourself, and you can defend the weak. But what he's talking about here is your dignity. You know that that if someone is your enemy, I don't know if you've ever had an enemy, but someone who really wants you to be hurt, it's the greatest wound is to your personal dignity. Who cares about your dignity? If you know, if God, if if God is for you, who can be against you? As Saint Paul says elsewhere, if God thinks you're swell, then you're swell. Who cares what this person thinks? You know, Jesus is saying this: forget your dignity. God will guarantee your dignity. God who knows the truth. So if someone strikes you on one cheek, I don't think he's saying you can't lift your hand so that you don't get a bruise. He's saying, you know, don't take revenge. If you love if you love those who love you, what credit is there in that? Um, oh, dear. I'm looking at the clock again because uh, two more things I just have to talk about in this. I remember Rabbi Lefkowitz. May he rest in peace. He said, uh, you know, do to others what you would have them do to you. That's terrible. How do you know what I, I, I want? Well, what what is that really saying? Do to others. Before you can love someone, you have to listen to them. I've told you the story about my beloved relative who would visit me and then rearrange the, the, the cabinets in the right Order and it would take me two weeks to find the oregano after she left. She didn't know what I wanted. She didn't listen. And so it is. The great commandment is hero Israel. It starts out with a command, listen. Sit down, shut up, and listen. I'm God, you're not. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you cannot love someone. You cannot love God. You cannot love your neighbor until you listen to them, until you can hear them. And really, that's what most people want just to be heard, And to be listened to and then you can serve them as they want to be served and need to be served so this idea that we can hear god and from god and in conjunction with listening to the person we can hear what is best for them uh makes it possible for us to do to others now this is a good translation here stop judging and you will not be judged this verse has caused more trouble I'm, I won't judge you. I can't judge you. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Don't you judge me? It doesn't say that. It says, don't be judgmental. I've told you about that continuous imperative. Do it and keep doing it till I tell you to stop. There's that imperative Greek, and then there's just the one we have. Do it. We only have the one. Do it. Greek has do it and keep doing it till I tell you to stop. This is in that present imperative. Don't keep judging. In other words, don't be judgmental. It's not your job to tell the world what, what, what color their their, 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 their their shirt should be or their dress. Uh, it's not your job to tell people that they're sinning or not sinning. If someone asks you, fine. And you have every right and even duty to say, you know, you do what you think best, but I can't accompany you in this. Okay, just to be supportive. To be supportive of what I think is stupid, I don't think so. I love you too much to do that. Do what you think is best. I, you got a conscience. I'll respect it, but respect mine too. You know that you can do, but you know to to give your advice. would like you know what I feel. I remember a woman came up to me and, and said once at a meeting. There's a great controversy this meeting, and I, I she said, "You father, you want to know my opinion?" I said, "No, I don't. If you have any idea what God's opinion is, I'd like to hear that." So don't be the kind of person who thinks it's your job to give everyone else advice, whether they want it or not. All right, you know, I, I, I think we're still in a situation of mass hysteria, so let's go to mass hysteria.
1: If we only have love with our arms open.
0: I love this we'll song. I love that, that, that song review. Jacques Brel is alive and well and living in Paris. But it is so totally 70s. And I told you a story, and I'm going to repeat the story for the word of the day today. Or not the word of the day. The uh, I, I've got more stuff about mass hysteria actually in the word of the day. But I want to repeat that, the story I told, because it, it really happened. And I, I have not shared it in, oh, what, 50 years? <laughs> but it really happened. I mean, I, I've mentioned it to people. But there was a fellow uh, who went on to be ordained a priest and went on to leave the priesthood. Um, but he was a deacon at the seminary. His assi- deaconate assignment was the seminary uh, that I attended uh, in college. And he was a great musician, and uh, uh, he had taken charge of the liturgy at the seminary. And uh, this album came out, Jacques Brel is Alive and Well Living in Paris. And, of course, that song, uh, uh, If We Only Have Love, oh, that's just totally religious. It mentions Jerusalem after after all. So... Um, I am a very bad guitarist, but I was able to figure out, you know, being an aging hippie, all us aging hippies play the guitar. So uh, I I figured out the cording to it and played the song. And that evening, this deacon stormed down to my room and barged and said, how dare you? And I thought, how dare I what? He said, how dare you figure out the cording for that song? We were going to to debut it at, at the liturgy tomorrow. And I thought, what? Are you kidding? G, C, and D7 with an occasional E minor and then the chord, I think, A? Uh, What? They were going to debut it, and it was a great, almost like a state secret. It was going to be great entertainment. The liturgy shifted so much, and I want you to understand that it isn't just the Novus Ordo that can be entertainment. You know, uh, uh, who was it who pleaded with Mozart to write shorter glorias because Mass was just unending when they had to sit there for the gloria? You know, if, if in the old days when you had one of these grand glorias, the, the priest and still does, and the old Mass would go over and sit that one out. Um, that's crazy. That, that, that's not the way it was written. And I, I will never forget um, when I was at a beautiful uh, Tridentine Mass, uh, it was for All Souls Day, and the, the the music was taken from Mozart's Requiem. At the Sanctus, everybody got—a whole lot of people got up and left, because, after all, uh, Mozart had only written until the Sanctus. Uh, he died, and then one of his students wrote the Agnus Dei and the rest. They were there for the show. And then the charitable organization that had paid the bill for this grand concert mass— Uh, Came up and gave the great novelty check To the priest in his Beretta and Fiddleback vestment And I thought, this isn't what Mass is about It isn't about entertainment So maybe I'm just beating that horse too hard But uh, it's not about entertainment This is entertainment Which is why I urge you to take it with a great grain of salt Okay, we'll be back in a couple of few minutes With uh, some letters Oh, 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We'll be right One of my favorite sins. Okay, I didn't mention any names. All right, <laughs> moving along here. Let's go to letters. All right, this is from Eva. And yesterday we sort of started with the genealogy of of Jesus, and I explained how it's though both the genealogies in Luke and in Matthew are genealogies of Joseph, and this troubled the early Christians, and they. They said, but Mary was a close relative of Joseph's, um, and the idea is that she had taken a Nazarite—well, I, I think it was a Nazarite. I don't know if they called it a Nazarite vow, but you read about it in Leviticus, that a woman could take a vow of chastity. If her father knew about it, she was bound, and then when she was engaged, if her betrothed knew about it, he was bound. Uh, so this was done, and it was done especially, I, I believe, among the Essenes. I'd have to check that out. But it seems that our blessed mother had taken one of these these vows of chastity, and so she would have been married off to an older cousin uh, to take care of her because they didn't have convents and women living alone. So the genealogy of Joseph, Eusebius of Caesarea tells us, is in effect the genealogy of Jesus, genealogy of Jesus. So we started the show with genealogy, and then we ended the show with the genealogy of Jane Lady Jane Gray, because somebody called in and said that there was a queen who was killed, uh, who married a Catholic, who became a Protestant, and and, uh, they killed her because she was Protestant. Uh, She died for her faith. Wasn't she a martyr? And I said, not necessarily, because it was much more political than religious. And I completely muddled the genealogy of of the Tudors. So Eva has... Thank you, Eva. She has straightened it out very well. Henry Tudor, Henry VII, was the legitimate heir to the throne uh, because all the others had killed themselves off. His claim to the throne was tenuous. Well, Henry VII bent canon law to enable Henry VIII to marry Catherine of Aragon, a Spanish princess. And they had six children, but only one. Mary survived. Henry VIII remembered the revolts of his father's reign. He was worried about uh, Civil War and also, well, he wanted an heir. So he bent the, the rules uh, to marry Catherine because she had been married to his brother, but she insisted that the marriage had never been consummated so they could get a dispensation. It's very complicated. These canon laws do not necessarily apply the same way now, so nobody panic. Uh, well, the Pope didn't give the dispensation because, well, he was being besieged by Catherine of Aragon's uncle, the Habsburg king, Charles I and V. And so Anne Boleyn comes into the scene and she decides she wants to uh, marry Henry and be queen. And he wants her to be his mistress. And she says, no, no, no wedding ring nothing. So eventually they marry, uh, and he makes himself the head of the church in England to give himself his own annulment. And then Anne Boleyn produces a couple of daughters and one stillborn son. So trumped up charges of treason and adultery and Anne Boleyn loses her head. And so then he marries, uh, uh, a few more times and, uh, uh, well, one uh, one wife, uh, Queen Jane, gives him a son. So he dies. Edward comes to the throne as a boy. He dies young. And Mary, Mary Tudor, comes to the throne. But they didn't want that because, you see, Henry had distributed all the monastic lands to his friends, and she was a fire-breathing Catholic, Mary Mary Tudor. And so they decided they needed to get a Protestant on the throne. And uh, so there was somebody who had a a legitimate claim to the throne called Jane Gray. And so they uh, married her off to someone who also had a more distant claim to the throne— and he left the Catholic faith to become Protestant so that they would have a thoroughly Protestant monarchy. And the supporters of Mary, because England at that point was still very committed to traditional Catholicism, the supporters of Mary rose and Mary took the throne and arrested this queen of of two weeks, Lady Jane Grey. And... Mary Tudor did not want to execute her or try her. She was just a girl who'd been put up to this. And so they were deposed and they lived, I think, under house arrest or kind of under guard. Well, not long after that, as I remember the story, Jane Gray, um, uh, uh, well, she she uh, uh, rose up again in, in, in rebellion and— uh, well, the only way to keep the country from going back into civil war was to execute her and her husband. So that was the monarchy. I'm not particularly a monarchist. <laughs> Christ the King is enough. But Eva, thank you for that great um, explanation. Uh, and uh, when when uh, Mary Tudor died. Uh, Elizabeth was put on the throne and brought uh, uh, England into a Protestant camp. All right, so for those of you who worry about Tudor genealogy, now you know are we going to do a new segment about uh, the genealogy of the monarchs in England now? Is this- well, yes, this is what can we—can we, they hear you voice in my head? Oh, good. Oh, good. That's, that's Nicholas II. Another monarchy. We could do that's the right. Russian monarchy. Okay. No, I just think that—you know, it is kind of important to know this because everybody thinks this is religious history, and it's as political and sometimes more political than it is religious. We look at the so-called wars of religion— they weren't religious at all. They were they were political and inspiration. There's a wonderful book that I would like to recommend once again, uh, and I can't think of the name. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, come on, brain. It is by, oh, I have it right here. It's uh, not the screw tape Letters. I've recommended them enough the past few days. It is um, by Dr. Rodney Stark, uh, uh, uh a false witness to bear false it might be bear false witness or to bear false witness. but Dr. Rodney Stark, it's about the the myths that we Catholics are the historical myths that are aimed at us Catholics. and it is a very easy read and it's good, good science, good sociology. Excellent. Uh, the voice in my head saying I'll put the link on, on the podcast. It's excellent. I recommend it thoroughly. All right, let me uh, what time is it? If I oh, we should probably go to a break. Well, let's let's go. And we'll kind of have a word of the day. 888-914-9149 888-914-9149. There may be a brief quiz after this, so pay attention. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradiocom forester. glory in, in the light of glory. My name is On, the door, on the door, in heaven, and
1: someday I'll
0: Let's go to our word of the day. This bears a relationship to my current uh, interest in mass hysteria. But in Colossians 3.16, we remember, or we remember, we, we read in verse 16, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you as you teach and admonish one another. Uh... Well, speaking of admonishments, marriage insurance. Don't forget, go to the website. Get your book on marriage insur- insurance. It's a freebie, including shipping. And if your marriage doesn't need help, well, somebody else does. Read it, pass it on. It's a great book, Marriage Insurance by Father Rocky. All right, uh, but back to this, admonishing. That word admonish is a very interesting word in Greek. It's, it's, it really means to, oh gosh, to make aware uh, it's it's uh, placing things in the mind. Uh, so we're told we should admonish. In other words, it isn't just shaking your finger at someone and saying, bad dog, bad dog. No, it's, it's saying helpful things uh, to each other. And you, how do you do it? By means of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, this is a very important idea for Saint Paul because in Ephesians chapter five, I think verse nineteen, he says the same exact phrase: "psalms and hymns and spiritual songs." So, what are psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Well, psalms are psalms. Uh, the word actually means an accompanied. Uh, this is going to. You'd probably defeat my purpose, that they this these are the things that David played on the harp. But I don't think that St. Paul is recommending the harp uh, or any other stringed instrument necessarily. By that time, they had come to be the religious lyrics used in by Jews in worship, especially in the temple. Then you've got hymns. What is a hymn? A hymn is a celebration. It's a song of praise and thanksgiving uh, that is sung. Uh, it celebrated the deeds of uh, the gods and heroes and conquerors. In that sense, the Magnificat is a hymn. It, it's, it's, uh, it's talking about the great deeds of the Lord. And then it says spiritual songs? Well, ah, spiritual songs. What's that mean? Let me back up here. Let me read it in, in the text of uh, Colossians, if I can find it in the text of Colossians. Okay, here we go. Um, it while it says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That word is uh, an, pneumatic odes. That's that's the word is is ode. What what is an ode? Uh, an ode is, is a an impromptu melody. Uh, an ode is a song. But it's a special kind of song. Uh, it is It is pneumatic, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Remember the word for spirit is pneuma. And, you know, the song is, is if we only have love, <laughs> a spiritual song? I don't think so. It doesn't fit into any of those categories of... of uh, uh, it's not a hymn. It isn't celebrating the mighty works of God. It's a plaintive plea. It's not a psalm. It's not one of the, the 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 songs of Israel. And it isn't a spiritual ode. It is not a spiritual song. It might make you feel good, but that's the problem, that we think that if I feel it, that's spiritual. No, that's not spiritual. Uh, something that's spiritual is, is far deeper than just a warm, fuzzy feeling. So, we praise God with Psalms, the texts that we receive from the temple. We re- we praise God in in uh, hymns, which are uh, songs singing the greatness of God, uh, and we 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 admonish one another with these things, uh, and then uh, the these uh, songs, inspired songs, which I would maintain, the Psalms are inspired songs. What's the purpose of these? The admonishment. You know, that, that verb uh, admonish, what it really means, I think, is garbage in, garbage out. The mind is a kind of living computer. You put garbage in, garbage is going to come out. So we teach one another, and we inspire one another by means of these, these, these wonderful things. So, all right, we're going to go to calls, 888-914-9149, and call hello. early. Oh, there, hello. Kevin, are you with us? I am. Good. What can I do for you?
1: Uh, well, you mentioned earlier in your show about uh, the passage, uh, Judge Not Lest Ye Be Judged, and this morning, when I was having a conversation with my two uh, secular coworkers who were brought up uh, in the Christian religion, and me being a, a relatively new Christian, we were talking about the recent uh, legislation passed in uh, Texas. And then we progressed further in the conversation, and uh, we were talking about the uh, the bakers that had been, you know, uh, had the civil suits brought against them for not baking a cake. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they did not think that the government should be able to tell, you know, somebody what they shouldn't do. But then I brought up that, uh, well, you know, the Bible breaks down to three main things. Uh, One, uh, you know, Jesus broke down, he said, love the Lord, uh, love others such as yourself. And then along with the uh, judge not, lest ye be judged, what should we do? And we all three agreed, you should bake the cake. Hmm. So I'm no. So I don't think so. I don't think so. Ago. No,
0: no, they weren't judging. No, uh, no, no. In okay. other words, those people were telling the the bakers, "This is what you must do. Your consciences are flawed," and they were saying, "No, no, our conscience says, uh, I can't do this." You see, it's a stop being judgmental. Uh, they could say, "You know, you may be right. If you want to live that lifestyle, fine, but I, I can't be part of it." They were. They were. I believe that those bakers weren't. weren't Judging. They were. They weren't being judgmental. They were saying, "I can't go there." You maybe can. Uh, I, I often talk about this in terms of of weddings. You know, people, how dare you not come to your 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 to my son's fourth wedding? The Bible says, "Judge not, lest ye be judged." Well, no, 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 I, 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 He can—I don't mind that he's getting married for a fourth time. It's just I have a conscience that says I can't be a witness to this thing that I, I believe isn't marriage. Uh, I can't—but he can, and I assume he's doing the right thing. I assume he's acting in conscience. Uh, And I'll respect his conscience. If his conscience allows him to do this, fine. My conscience doesn't allow me to do that. It's a wonderful, wonderful story that we see in the um, um, movie Man for All Seasons, or or the play, uh, that uh, the Duke of Norfolk, who's a good friend of Sir Thomas More, comes up to Thomas More and says, Thomas. Why can't you sign this, this little piece of paper that says the king is the head of the church in England, more tutors? See, I told you it was important, Nick. Uh, Nick is over there. And he's, he's amazed that we're back to the tutors. Yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, um, uh, he says, Thomas, can't you sign it for fellowship's sake? And Thomas, come along for fellowship's sake, he says. And Thomas Moore, uh, who was killed because he would not sign this paper, he said— you signed it because it's right. He said, yes, I did. And I'm not signing it because I believe it's not right. Now, we're going to stand before God's throne someday, and God will say, Norfolk, welcome. Welcome to heaven for having honored your conscience. And then he'll say to me, but you go to hell for having violated yours. And when he says, Sir Thomas, you go to hell for violating your conscience, will you come along with me for fellowship? You see, this idea that, well, I must do what you want to make you feel good uh, and so doing violate my conscience, that's not being judgmental. It's saying, I can't do this. You can, but I can't. I'm not making a statement that your life is wrong. I'm making a statement that I don't believe your your life is right. And that's not judgmental for me to say, to, to walk up to you and say, you know, take that gay flag off your porch. How dare you? Uh, <laughs> just I'm not going to put one on my porch. So it's not a matter of being judgmental. Uh, don't be judgmental is what the what the text really says. Don't be judgmental lest ye be judged. So I hope that helps a little, Kevin. And uh, hmm, I don't know that we have the same opinion on it, but nah, that's all right. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's go to David from Texas. Oh, oh I'm sorry. We're going to Heidi from Arizona. I got my states wrong. Heidi, are you with us?
1: Yes, I am. How are you, Father? I'm pretty
0: good. What can I do for you? <laughs>
1: um, well, when you were talking about the, um, you know, the the Mozart Requiem Mass and things like yes, that. Yes, yes. Um, we have a we have a local parish, and my husband helps there, and, and it is a wonderful parish. Mm-hmm. Wonderful musicians; they're very talented. Yes. But I feel. I have a problem going there because it's. I feel like it's so dramatic and it's. I can't sing the, all the tunes. It's very, um, cerebral and um, and it's very depressing to me. Yes. And, um, I walk out of there feeling so, downtrodden for some reason, and I, and it's the music, and I, I and they're very talented. So I, I don't want to be judgmental, as you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um. Well, you know, I want to be. Yeah. Uh,
1: is that bad? I mean, can I go to another parish? With sure, you can go husbands? to another parish with I a mean, more
0: simple mass. Why not? People are people are okay, shopping all the time. Oh so no, no, you no, no! Tell your out, you know? tell your husband to read Sacrosanctum Concilium, the document on the liturgy. And if he still thinks that the grand, hyper emotional. Mass with the waltz tunes and the and the ballads uh, is Catholic after reading Sacrosanctum Concilium. Well, maybe that's different. But the point is, so, I, I, again, I've I, I, I said this to the point of being tedious, um, that saga, the big deal for Sacrosanctum Concilium, with which I'm in absolute agreement, is participation, that if if the if the choir you know with the, the I I just love it you go in the church and you have the tabernacle over on one side and the orchestra pit over on the other side, and um, uh, it's all about you know psychically they're putting the orchestra on and it's an orchestra on the same level as. As, as the Blessed Sacrament. I think that's that's wacky. But, you know, the orchestra pit, that should give you... If you go to a church where there's an orchestra pit, maybe you should think twice. Um, but the music has gotten so entertaining that it, it defeats participation. Oh, one other thing I would like to say while I've got you on the line and hope that there are clergy persons who will hear it. Father... Turn off your microphone when they're singing, because if you have your microphone on, you're all that they can hear. And frankly, Father, your voice is not that good. So just turn your microphone off or don't sing, because you're keeping people from singing. And a lot of choirs are keeping people from singing. And I think that really has to be examined. I think everybody needs to read Sanum Concilium. we talk about the Mass of Vatican II. What we're doing now is not the Mass of Vatican II. And I would love to see the Second Vatican Council uh, incorporated or, or recognized in the liturgy. So, Heidi, I think you're within your, your, uh, your rights to, uh, to, to go to a Catholic church instead of a Broadway church. That's a little harsh of me, but meh. That's all right. Does that help? <laughs>
1: That's helpful. Thank you, Father. All right,
0: and and I don't I don't want to say there can be no interesting music in church. Uh, oh, I'm going to pontificate about mass. We're almost done with the show anyway, so I I think I could probably fit in one more call at eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Uh so where was I? Oh. Uh, just let me pontificate about this just a little bit what was I going to pontificate about uh, mass something about mass i don't I don't think we need to ban all good interesting music. You can have a lovely processional hymn you can have a lovely recessional hymn and actually a nice a nice bit of polyphony or or something like that after communion while people are sitting meditating fine but the body of the mass is meant to be a dialogue with the Lord and the Lord <sighs> Speaks in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Let's go to John, who is in Madison, Wisconsin. Are you with us, John? Yes, thanks for taking my call. Quick question before you close. I have some people I've met who I think are willing to be baptized.
1: They don't yes. go to any particular
0: church or denomination. And I, um, I'm i not sure
1: how to go about this. I could probably do it myself. They're certainly not ready to be Uh, converted to Catholicism, but, uh, you know, this is step one, baby step,
0: baptism. What do you suggest I do? How should I handle it? Baptism is not a baby step. It is the big step. It is the necessary sacrament. And in the early church, they didn't baptize. I mean, in the Bible, you see people getting baptized right, right away, but that was a special moment in the history of the church. It took about two years to get baptized. Remember, I'm always telling you that the word sacrament means oath to the death. You are inviting them as adults to sign a contract that that is blank they if they don't know what the what the details of the covenant of baptism are then for them to 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 sign themselves to that impossible contract they have to know that they may not commit adultery and that they may not steal and that they must do certain things they must honor the lord's day because if they enter that covenant with no intention of fulfilling the covenant they're perjuring themselves so by baptizing them i think you actually endanger their souls. Uh, there was a theory, the theory of limbo, which is not Catholic doctrine, but is theory, is a Catholic possibility. The idea that that if a person is a just person, but not baptized, that they will go to a, a wonderful afterlife. They just won't have the vision of God. Um, but if they are baptized and then defile that covenant then you put, it's possible you put their souls in danger. So do not baptize them until they have been catechized. Pray with them to know the Lord. Bring them to an awareness of Jesus as the Savior. But, you know, and how do you do that? You pray with them, teach them to pray. That's what you should do. Don't baptize them, teach them to pray. And as they get to know the Lord, they're gonna want to get to know about him. And when they want to get to know about him, they'll get to want to know about his bride, the church. Don't rush it, God has this all in order. But you must not baptize them. You really, unless it's an emergency, if they're about to die, and there's no one else to do the baptism—a deacon or priest—baptize them. But only in danger of death. That is probably the best advice I can give you. Does that help a little?
1: Absolutely. No, it's perfect.
0: Thank you so much. All right. God bless. But but bring them to Christ. Bring them to Christ. Then, then, then you got something to go on. Oh, we just got a couple, of few seconds left. So,
1: boy, it's oh boy! It's been fun having you in the studio.
0: Father. I'm yeah. I I'm i usually do the show from odd places, but I'm here in the studio. I'm looking at the through the glass at Nicholas II. Uh, that's because my uh, his predecessor was also Nicholas Nicholas I. Right. And um, if you're listening, Nicholas the First, hello. So oh, we, Father sends his warmest wishes. <laughs> yes, my. Well, it's actually a little chilly in here, but <laughs> you know, send money. The heat's off. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I actually want to say thank you again. That that. Uh, Drive was simply amazing. That and get your copy of Father Rocky's Marriage Insurance by going to the app or to the website. And if you can't figure out how to do that, find a grandchild. They know how to do that. Well, I hear music in my head, and that means Drew is, is dancing into the sound of music. Uh, and uh, so don't go anywhere. Uh, I can picture that Drew dancing into the sound of music. I'm sure he's very light on his feet. (laughs) I'll stop talking now. You know, the word is
1: spreading around America. This is the go-to place if you've got a prayer and you want the whole country praying for it. So I invite people to join us every night for the Family Rosary Cross America Live. 7 p.m. Central. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio.